the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. But he's stressing to them the importance of these commandments. He's stressing to them the importance of knowing God's will, understanding his standard, and knowing his heart. So that they could experience his blessings by living a life that pleased him, a life of loving him and obeying his commands. And in perfect love. And God wants the same for us, which is why Deuteronomy is so important for us to know. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter, with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Deuteronomy. Moses has been reminding the nation of Israel of God's many blessings and proven faithfulness towards them. God had supplied every need along their journey, despite their rebellion and idolatry. The theme of Deuteronomy is loving God supremely. In it, we see that the Israelites were to love and obey God because He first loved them. We love God because He first loved us. Last we saw Moses going over God's moral law to the nation of Israel. These are the Ten Commandments, and express God's holiness and perfect nature to men. Moses told the Israelites that God had spoken His commandments to all of them on Mount Sinai, but they had run away for fear that God would destroy them. This wasn't God's heart towards them. God doesn't want us to be afraid of Him. We join Pastor Will as we continue our study of Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 27. And so while God wants us to have an accurate view of our absolute inability, he wants us to understand we're sinners. He wants us to understand we can't do anything without him. But he wants our chief motivation for our obedience to be love, not to not get caught, to not get busted. In John chapter 14, verse 15 Jesus just said, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Not complicated, right? He said, do you love me? Do what I say. You know, that's how we show we love him. He didn't say, if you're afraid of me, do what I say. He said, if you love me, do what I say. Keep my commandments. Our love for God, of course, is a direct response to what? Understanding how much he loves us, right? That's why learning about how much he loves us is good because it causes us to love him back. When we understand in greater capacities how gracious God's been to us, how kind he is to us, how how much he wants to bless us, what the cross did for us, how he continues to work in our lives, what does it do? It breaks our hearts, right? It melts us. I mean, that's what happens to me. Like, if I'm me and Bev aren't getting along, and she's just killing me with kindness, it just eventually, you know, I might be grouchy and grumpy, I'm not changing, I'm not whatever. But eventually it just melts my heart. I'll come up there and I'll say, I've been so mad at you, and, you know, and I don't like this, the way things are going, but man, I love you. And I'm sorry, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to be this way anymore. Because we understand we're loved, we want to love back. And so 
that's the idea here is in understanding how much God loves us. Our direct response to that is to love him back. Our direct response to love him back doesn't come because we're terrified of judgment. That will never be a loving response back to God because we're terrified of judgment. And see, that's what Moses tried to explain to Israel when they made this proposal back in Exodus. Look at Exodus 20 with me. This part he doesn't cover here, but I think it's important to revisit it. And let's look at verses 18 through 20. This is kind of going over what Moses just mentioned. And all the people saw, verse 18, all the people saw the thunderings, the lightnings, and the noise of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed, they ran away, and they stood afar off. And they said to Moses, we want you to speak with us, and we will listen, but do not let God speak with us, lest we die. That's the part we've heard so far. Look at verse 20, what Moses' first reaction was to their proposal. Moses said unto the people, what? Fear not, for God has come to prove you. And that is, what? Fear may be before your faces so that you don't sin. Hold on a second. You want our fear to be before his face, but you said fear not? That's a contradiction, Moses. What are you talking about here? Is Moses schizophrenic? Not at all. Not at all. Verse 20, these two words for fear are actually different words. Now, while both of them, if they're just by themselves, can mean either to be afraid of something or to have respect and reverence for someone, they can both mean either one of those when they're by themselves. Context determines it. However, whenever you put the two different words together, the first one used here always means to be afraid of someone, and the second one will always mean to worship respect or revere someone. So what is Moses telling them? Stop being afraid of God. He doesn't want you to be fearful of him. God is just here to test you. He's here to, he wants your, his fear maybe before your faces. He wants your respect and reverence to be something that's always in front of you so that you don't sin, so that he can bless you. That's the heart of this here. Moses isn't confused See, God didn't want Israel to be terrified of him him now that they'd entered into this relationship with them. God wanted to bless them by revealing himself and drawing them closer. And that is how God always wants us to relate to him. It's reaffirmed in the New Testament. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, it tells us, it says, whosoever fears is not made perfect in love. What does that mean, not made perfect in love? Well, the word perfect in the New Testament usually refers to completion or maturity. And so the idea here is if you're fearful of God, if you're terrified of God, you don't understand his love. You need to mature more in your understanding of how much God loves you. So if you're walking around thinking God's just the big boot in the sky waiting to bust you, you don't understand his love yet. You need to come to a greater understanding of his love. You need to grow more in that area of your your Christian life. For he says in verse 18 of 1 John 4, there is no fear in love. For perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. See, when you're walking around only obeying God because you're terrified of what he'll do if you don't, that's a pretty rough life, isn't it? I mean, that's... I mean, having that kind of relationship with anybody is a stressful life. A boss, you know, a family member, a marriage. I mean, that's stressful. I don't want to upset him. If I upset him, it's all whatever's going to break loose. That's never fun living like that. And the Lord doesn't want us to live like that with him. We're terrified of him all the time. That's not what it means to fear God. That's a wrong fear of God. We love him because he first loved us. See, when we understand how much he loves us. We want to love him back and we want to be obedient, show it by being obedient to him. 
And so I ask you tonight, are you afraid God's always out to get you? Or he's always out looking to bust you? Or do you know that he wants to bless those that he's forgiven? Do you know that he wants to bless you? Do you believe that? Sometimes it's hard. We know ourselves too well. We know our failures. We know our shortcomings. And we think, why would anyone want to bless me? Why would God want to bless me? I wouldn't want, I don't want to bless me. But God does because you've been forgiven by his blood. Now, if terror isn't what the Bible means when it says we're to be God-fearing, what does that mean, to be God-fearing? Well, let's hear it from God's own mouth. Let's look back in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Let's look at verse 28. So they propose, Moses, you go talk to God, tell us what he says, and we'll do it. Verse 28, Moses tells them, the Lord heard the voice of your words when you spoke unto me. And the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people which they have spoken unto you. They have well said all that they have spoken. God commends our honesty here. Moses thought God would be upset by Israel's response, but God wasn't upset. He says, no, they're, they're correct in certain things. The word there, well said, means to be morally correct or to be good. See, Israel's understanding of God's holiness and man's sinfulness was correct. Israel's recognition of their inability to keep God's law was a correct assessment of the situation. I can't do it on my own. I'm going to fail. But instead of allowing that to drive them to seek God's mercy, to go closer to God, believing him to be good, they settled for distance from God. And so while God wasn't upset with their request, it fell short of his intent and it broke his heart. And we see that in verse 29. For the Lord says here, oh, that there was such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always that it might be well with them and with their children forever. See, they were correct in some of their assessment, but it wasn't what God was looking for. See, what God was looking for was for them to assess themselves correctly and then cry out to him for mercy, to cry out to him for help, to cry out for him for the power to live this kind of life out. Isn't that what the Christian life is? We draw near to God. We come to his throne of grace boldly. Why? That we might find grace and mercy and help in our time of need. That's what we do. So God was brokenhearted. He longed for their love. He says, oh, that there were, which means, oh, that I wish it would be. It, this is not what I wanted. They're correct in their assessment, but it's not what I was looking for. So what was God looking for? Well, he says that there would be such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always. Now, there's an untranslated word here that means to give, to present, or to surrender something. And it comes right before such a heart. See, God longed for them to present such a heart to him, a surrendered heart, a given heart. He longed for them to present their hearts to him, to draw close to him, to respect him the right way, not by staying far away so they didn't get in trouble, but by loving him with all their heart and all their soul and all their might. And you know, that makes perfect sense with the rest of Scripture, that God would want that. Look at Job chapter 28 with me, a cool little verse I found when I was looking through. I didn't even, I mean, I'm sure I've read it, but it never dawned on me the significance of it till this week. Look at Job 28, verse 28, the very last verse of the chapter. To give you a little bit of context here, Job is talking about how God created everything. God created everything and set it in order and, and made it be a certain way. But then in verse 28, it says that God gave man a bit of advice when he created him. 
And unto man, he said, the Lord, unto man, he said, behold, that means pay attention. This is important. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. What does that mean? When God created the world, he told mankind that wisdom starts with fearing him and leaving evil behind. Okay, what does it mean to fear him then? Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The biblical understanding of God-fearing, being a God-fearing person, it means that you love what God loves and you hate what he hates. That's, it's that simple. To be a God-fearing person means you love what God loves and you hate what he hates. And that's what God's after. Our loyalty, our reverence, and our love for him is so great that it causes us to embrace everything he tells us to do and to avoid everything he tells us not to do, right? I mean, that's, that's that simple. It's not complicated. It's not about trembling in terror because God's gonna get me. It's about going, God, you've been so good to me. You, you've loved me so much. I wanna embrace you back. And so I want everything you have for me. I wanna do what pleases your heart and I wanna stay away from everything that breaks your heart. Isn't that how good relationships work, <laughs> right? Because when we do that, then that's the kind of life we live. God can bless us. And that's what it says here right at the end of chapter five of Deuteronomy, verse 29. I wish that they would present me their heart, they would surrender their heart to me to keep my commandments always, to fear me, to love what I love, to hate what I hate. Why? That it might be well with them and with their children forever. See, all God wanted to do was bless his people from this generation to the last generation, just to pour out blessings upon them. And he'd given them these commandments to keep them in that place of blessing, to draw them close. But instead, they kept their distance. And so God acquiesced to their request and Moses became their mediator, verse 30. So God says, go say to them, go back to your tents, I won't talk to you anymore. But as for you, Moses, you stand here by me and I'll speak unto you all the, rest, all the rest of the commandments, the statutes, the judgments. I'll give you my will, my standard, my heart. I'll reveal my will, my standard, my heart to you through these, these commandments, through this law. I'll, get, I'll tell you, Moses, I won't tell them since they're afraid. And then, which you will teach them that they may do them in the land which I give them to possess it. And really, when we're going back to Exodus 20, when this happens, he's telling it now in the future, but when this happened, the rest of Exodus, all the book of Leviticus, everything after that was basically God telling Moses and then Moses relating it to the people. <laughs> so now we're here at this point, you know, where Moses has already been that mediator. He's revealed the law to them and now they're about to go in the land and he's gonna die. And so Moses is reminding them, everything I said to you, it's just as important as everything God spoke that you, when you heard it with his, your own ears. But you set up this deal where you would hear it from me instead of from God. It doesn't mean it's less important. You know, and there are some people who like to denigrate the Old Testament. I won't name any names because there's been a certain individual very well-known lately who's decided to say the Old Testament, Christians shouldn't study the Old Testament, has nothing for us. With due respect to that individual, he's wrong. He's wrong. All of Scripture is given by inspiration. All of it's profitable for correction, you know, reproof, you know, edification, that we all might be equipped to be a mature man or woman of God. Let me ask you a question. How much of the New Testament was written when Paul made that statement to Timothy? Not even half of it yet. So which scriptures do you think he's referring to? The Old Testament ones. 
So if the Old Testament was good enough for the early Christians, why is it not good enough for us? Why is it not necessary for us? It's illogical. It doesn't make any sense. I have other words to use, but I can't say them from the pulpit. Mediators aren't the worst thing in the world. We too have a mediator, but it's certainly not Moses. And it's not this distant deal that they set up with Moses. Our mediators who? Jesus, right? First Timothy 2.5, there's one mediator between God and man, and that's the man, Christ Jesus. And Jesus' deal is way better. We read it in our scripture reading in Hebrews chapter nine, right? Talked about how there was the old tabernacle and they, you know, they couldn't come into the holy place, only the priest could. And even they couldn't go into the holy of holies, only the high priest could. And he could only come once a year and he had to make sure he brought blood, which wasn't just for the people, it was for himself too. So it was an inferior deal that kept us far away from God. But Jesus, ha ha, but Jesus, he secured for us a way better deal because he entered into the holiest of all with his own blood and he secured for us eternal redemption. That means freedom from the power and the presence of sin. Isn't that awesome? So that we can come boldly before his throne of grace and find all the help we need. See, God's word to us isn't keep your distance. If you get close, you might get in trouble. His, his, his encouragement is enter in. Come close. There's nothing hindering you from coming close anymore. Amen? We have a better deal with Jesus. Now, while Moses had given them these instructions in Exodus and Leviticus, in Deuteronomy, he feels the need to remind them of their importance just before he dies. Now, he doesn't completely duplicate Exodus and Leviticus again. In fact, very little of those are found in Deuteronomy. But he's stressing to them the importance of these commandments. He's stressing to them the importance of knowing God's will, understanding his standard, and knowing his heart so that they could experience his blessings by living a life that pleased him, a life of loving him and obeying his commands. And God wants the same for us, which is why Deuteronomy is so important for us to know. Before he gets into the rest of the law and he elaborates on some of these things, Moses exhorts them here at the end of the chapter to obey all of it, to not just take portions of it, but to obey all of it so they can experience God's blessings. He says in verse 32, you shall observe to do therefore as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left, and you shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live, and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. That word observe there in verse 32, it means to exercise great care. He says you need to exercise great care to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. Sometimes we disobey because we don't know what God's word says. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a counseling session with somebody and they'll share a situation with me or a struggle they're having. I said, well, I said, you know, you handle it this way, but let's look at this scripture here. And I'll say, now the Bible says we should handle things like that this way. And they'll just go, I didn't know that. And we didn't mean to do wrong, just ignorantly did the wrong thing. We've all done it. That's why it's important for us to know God's word, to exercise great care in knowing his commands, knowing what he wants us to do, knowing his heart, knowing his will, knowing his standard. Because when we do, we don't make those ignorant mistakes. We don't make those blunders. We don't get in trouble as much. So it's important for us to exercise great care with God's commands. But notice also he says, exercise great care, not just to know them, but to do them, to do them. You know, James tells us it's not the hearers of the word that are blessed, right? Who's blessed? It's the doers of the word that are blessed. We need to live out what we've learned and what God says. 
Now, I love that he says, you shall not turn to the right hand or the left, but you shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you. In other words, there's no exclusions, no exceptions. I can't take it in the scripture and go, well, you know, I really don't like that whole part about, you know, wives submit to their husbands, you know, or I really don't like the whole part about husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church. I mean, that's, that leads to death. I mean, Jesus doesn't really want me to die, does he? Yes, he does, man. Yes, he does. There's lots of things in the scripture sometimes that are hard pills to swallow because you have to swallow your pride. Or maybe you put yourself out there where you can get hurt again. But Jesus, the Bible says, when he was reviled, he did not revile back, right? He didn't retaliate. He loved us to the very end. And I think it was Pastor Tom last week, I think he talked to you guys about, on Sunday morning, about how Jesus washed Judas' feet, right? I mean, this is the guy who's going to betray him. I mean, this is the catalyst for the cross. Yes, no man took Jesus' life from him. He laid it down. I get that. But I mean, this was a dear friend who betrayed him. Somebody that Jesus loved to the very end washed his feet. But Jesus did it. He's our example. That's, that's how we're supposed to live. When he said, you know, if somebody gives you a smite on the cheek, give him your other cheek. He lived it out, didn't he? He lived it out. So we can't exclude ourselves from God's commands. We can't look at something and go, oh, that certainly doesn't apply to my situation. I'm, I'm a special situation. If I had a nickel for every time somebody told me that in a counseling session, I'd have a lot of nickels. God's word is to be the final authority for all my behavior. Is it? I love how Moses ends it. God wants you to do this, that you may live, and it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. These are the good things that God wanted for the nation of Israel. And while we don't have a nation, you know, we don't have a land to possess per se, we do have an abundant life that Christ promises to us. And he wants us to experience all of it. He wants us to prosper spiritually. He wants us to live long in the sense of live the life that he intended for us to the maximum, to not miss out on any of the blessings that he wants to give to us. That's God's desire. So let's love what God loves and hate what he hates, right? Let's choose to live the things that he tells us out in our lives as Christians. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, you've given us precious promises in your word. They're not the exact promises you gave to the nation of Israel, but we as a holy nation, we're not an actual people group in the sense that we have a land or anything like that, but we are a holy nation, a, a royal priesthood, a specially chosen out people for your purpose. And so, Lord, you've given us precious promises as well, and we want to experience those in our lives. And we know, Lord, that much of that experience comes from knowing your will, knowing your standard, knowing your heart, and being obedient to you in those ways. Not because, Lord, we're terrified of you. You know, that's not the fear factor we want to influence our lives. But knowing that you love us and we want to love you back. Knowing that you've been so good to us, so kind to us, and our desire is just to please you because we love you. Lord, that's the, that's the fear factor we want. That's the, the God-fearing attitude that we want to have, the one that your scriptures give to us. So Lord, we surrender everything to you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. If we walk around obeying God only out of fear of what will happen if we don't, we don't really understand his love toward us. God wants all mankind to draw near to him. Yes, we are all sinners deserving of punishment. 
God would be just in judging us. But that is not God's heart towards man. He is merciful. He is wanting to bless us. And the only way He will do that is by us drawing near to Him. God didn't let our sin keep us distant. He did everything to ensure that we can come close, boldly enter into His throne room, where we can find grace and help in time of need. He will never turn us away. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word.